What's going on, fellow watchers? Welcome back to Infinity Watches, where we talk all things Marvel and cinema and universes. I'm Jared. And I'm John. And welcome to week three of this wonderful podcast. And week three of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yes, yes, it is. How you, how you been doing since last week, John? Not too bad, not too bad. I, you know, was really excited to get to this week's episode after that big Zemo reveal and mm-hmm. you know just just had a pretty good week overall um i consumed some media this week i watched godzilla versus kong how the was other day. that it was it, good it's been on my radar for a couple of days now i just haven't had a chance to get to it yeah i liked it a lot i mean a lot of people complain about the kind of human subplots of it but <laughs> at the same time it's who goes to see that i didn't think they right. were overbearing or anything i got to see a giant monkey punch a giant lizard and that's all i wanted that's all you need yep so, exactly so did did godzilla deserve top billing i think out of so. the two i mean okay. i've always been okay. a godzilla truther so <laughs> godzilla truther mm-hmm. please yeah, explain what I, that means <laughs> well i just you know knew he would come out on top the entire ah. time ah okay and also, I think he's real on this version of Earth. Ah, okay. I mean, I mean, anything's possible nowadays. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, I actually, I had a, I had to take a PTO day yesterday from my main job for some, some health reasons. I'm feeling better now. It was just a, a one day thing, but during that time, I actually, uh, I consumed some media myself. Uh, I started watching uh, on Amazon Prime. It's called Invincible. Have you seen anything about this? I've heard about it. Yeah, it's it, the the Robert Kirkman show. Yes, mm-hmm. it it's something else. It, it do you know anything about the the comics? Not really. No. Okay, so I, I don't want to spoil anything, so I'm not going to go into detail. All I'll say is the show's about um, this kid who he's only he's only 17 years old, and his dad is essentially Superman. He's coming to terms with getting his own powers at at that stage in life when he's 17 so basically mm-hmm. when puberty's in full swing and so the show is dealing with him gaining these powers and dealing with the responsibility of them but the directions the show goes in start to remind me of the boys a lot okay the, it's, so it's kind of like dark very dark i mean i mean even Rodin and goldberg are producers on it Oh, and they're, okay. apparently they're looking at a live adapt. They want to do a live adaptation of it as well. Interesting. Yeah, there are there are four. The fourth episode just came out late last night, and I actually was up late enough to watch it. Uh, so there are four episodes out. And it's only eight episodes. But what I find great is that it's animated almost like a, a '90s cartoon. So something like Spider Man or X Men. Mm-hmm. So like the first, like I don't know. 45 minutes low each episode is only 45 minutes so maybe the first 40 minutes lulls you into the safe sense of security but with a with a few f-bombs here and there uh-huh but the last maybe five minutes of that first episode just it's insanity it's brutal um is it so is it kind of like a dark action show or is it more comedy it's a play it? it's it's a mix of both mm-hmm. uh there's <laughs> uh seth seth Rogen has a has a character in the second episode which i think is great where he pl- the whole thing is a, a play on the dc universe basically and he he has this character where he flies in from space 
to try and take on the quote defender of that planet. He's with this um he's with like this universal guard that basically comes out and checks to make sure that that the defender is up to standard. So uh when he comes they get into this fight and then at a point he starts to realize oh this isn't you earth this is earth. So he's been at the he's been coming to the wrong planet for, oh <laughs> <laughs> for for this entire journey. Because I'll see you know I'll, I'll come. Don't worry, you'll see me down the line if I don't get fired for doing this. That's hilarious. <laughs> uh, I'll uh, check that one out. Yeah, it's it's great. It's gra- very graphic and very uh, gory. Mm-hmm. Surprisingly, the voice cast in it is incredible too. Stephen really? Young, Stephen Young, Sandra O, oh, J.K. Simmons. Uh, I'm just trying to run off names off the top of my head. Uh, Zazie Beats, um, Jillian Jacobs is in it. Um, that's all I can think of right now. Oh, uh, Jason Manzukis. It's it's a great wow. it's a great voice cast, and I definitely recommend it to anyone out there. And if you have kids, don't watch it in front of them. It's the best thing I can tell you. Do not let yeah. your kids watch this. <laughs> it's invincible. Awesome. It's on it's on, it's on Amazon Prime highly recommend it i'll definitely check that one out all right well i mean i think it's time to hit some news for the week we don't have a a ton to talk about we'll hit one one mcu story and then one um marvel adjacent story i guess um so the first thing we have on our list is that russell crowe has joined thor love and thunder so that's a a huge get for marvel (laughs) obviously i feel like that i feel like that that (laughs) entry specifically is becoming like the all-star cast that yeah and either marvel or taika has wanted to build up for a long time now yeah and we'll see like uh, it's kind of implied that it's sort of a matt damon-esque cameo if you don't remember matt damon had a cameo as loki in uh, thor ragnarok and the kind of the play that loki odin had <laughs> um had some of the Asgardians performing. So I don't know if this is going to be in like a similar sense or or what. Um, but either way, really cool to see Russell Crowe join. Um, I, I don't know, you know, I, as soon as I saw it, you know, you, you see Russell Crowe and you're like, okay, this is a big role. This has to be something massive. So mm-hmm. like I was thinking kind of like Beta Ray Bill or <laughs> like, because <laughs> I don't know, your mind just wanders when you see that, that type see, of game I- attached. I couldn't see Russell Crowe's Beta Ray Bill. I, I remember when Christian Bale was announced that there was a lot of speculation that was him. Yeah. He would have been he he was would have been perfect. I still think he'll be perfect as Gore the God Butcher. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I I think it's gonna be a fun time. The reason I I went to Beta Ray Bill is just because I could see that being something Taika would do is like take this crazy <laughs> like one of the weirdest characters that they will have put on screen and make him be Russell Crowe. Like, <laughs> Like that's equivalent to James Gunn casting Kurt Russell as a planet. Pretty much. <laughs> like <laughs> that would that would be amazing. Speaking of, speaking of James Gunn, the uh, Suicide Squad trailers. Oh yeah. What are your thoughts? Just real, just brief. I, I mean, I thought it looked. I think it looks really good. I'm excited. It looks fun. I mean, this is kind of the vibe I think they wanted to go for after Guardians was a hit anyways, like mm-hmm. when they did all the reshoots for the original Suicide Squad. So, you know, with that not working out and them handing it to Gunn, it seems like it's going to pay off for them. I think so. And uh, speaking of special voice actors, Sly Stallone as King Shark. Oh, I'm one. so excited. 
so yeah, great. Yeah, he's, he's really bringing the uh, the Guardians 2 <laughs> cast back together for that one, isn't he? Pretty much. Pretty much everyone except for uh, Pratt, Zaldana. Yeah. Actually, most I'm, of the I Guardians mean, cast. Yeah, I guess. It. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but he is bringing, I mean, Sean Gunn. Who could forget Sean Gunn? <laughs> could forget his brother. As Weasel. Um, you've got Sylvester Stallone as King Shark. Michael Rooker as I can't even remember what his character's name is. I don't I can't keep up with that with that yeah. list. But it's anyways, a, yeah, it's it's a tough list to keep up with. I mm-hmm. would imagine in the first twenty minutes of, it'll be cut by like a third. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> and and honestly. I've, and I've heard through the grapevine that DC is not afraid to uh to kill off people this time, or kill off its characters this time around. Oh yeah. I mean it's it's gonna be a bloodbath, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, right now, the only one, the only two I could see making it to the end for sure are Harley Quinn and mm-hmm. uh, Peacekeeper. Oh, yeah. Especially since they have that TV series that's mm-hmm. shooting now. So, which he, I mean, and from the trailers, my, my standout character is definitely John Cena's Peacemaker because Easily. He, he, or Peacekeeper, I'm sorry. Um, yeah. He, he, <laughs> Stole the, those trailers with me for me with some the, of those lines. The best, the best description I've seen of of peace. I'm sorry, peacekeeper. I must said peacemaker too. Yeah, I know. Yeah, the be, the best description I've seen of peacekeeper is Captain America on steroids, which is a is a pretty good summation of him. He loves patriotism and democracy so much he's willing to kill for it for it. Yeah, actually, quick correction. It it actually is peacemaker. It is okay. I thought yeah. so. <laughs> Yeah, I think I, I messed that up in my head. So no, you're good. There. <laughs> Again, fans. I had to look fans. it up because after after we said peacekeeper a couple of times, I was like, that was wrong. If we're gonna mess up anything, we're messing up DC. So yeah, you know what? That's fair. So speaking so, of all speaking yeah. of uh, all star casts, this next yeah. bit of news we got coming. Uh, so for anyone who isn't aware, Hulu has a Modoc series, an animated Modoc series coming at the end of May. And it ju- they just announced some of the special guest stars that they got for the uh, for the show. And would you would you like to give some background into who Modoc is before we describe the premise of the show? Yeah. So I mean, Modoc is a a scientist that has basically inflated his brain with super intelligence to a point where he has become a mental organism designed only for killing. So. Um, yeah, I mean, if you're a fan of Marvel, you have probably seen Modoc's head. I mean, one of the more prominent places he showed up recently was the Square Enix um, Avengers game. But yeah, they're they're doing kind of this animated, um, almost robot chicken esque looking show. It's it's like mm-hmm. sort of a claymation approach to it, and they have really outdone themselves with the cast. <laughs> So, so far, we have Nathan Fillion, Whoopi Goldberg, Bill Hader, John Hamm, Beth Bennett, John Daly, Melissa Fumaro, Amy Garcia, Wendy McClendon, Covey, Pat Oswalt, Sam Richardson, and Ben Schwartz. Pat Oswalt being the titular Modoc, which I think yeah. is absolutely fantastic. And from what yeah. I understand, this show is going to follow him basically when he, after he's become the most supreme being on Earth. And no one else will take, none of the other villains will take him seriously. Yeah. It sounds amazing. <laughs> him Just to, amazing. Him having to deal with his family life and yep. life after he's achieved his goals. I've wanted something like this for a very long time now. 
when I when I saw the initial trailers for it, I was a little skeptical with the whole uh, uh, claymation robot chicken vibe to it. Because I mean, yeah. I've, I, robot chicken's grown off of me for over a decade now. Uh, yeah, so, we're out as welcome a little bit. <laughs> yeah, so I, I got a little nervous, but after seeing some of the material in the trailers and this cast list, I'm back on board. Mm-hmm. The fact that John Hamm is playing Iron Man alone just gets me excited. Yeah, it's going to be great. I hope we get a uh, Brodock reference. I don't know if you're familiar with Brodock. Not <clears throat> so. Brodock was a version of Modok that briefly appeared in like the latest West Coast Avengers run. Mm-hmm. Um, it stands for biorobotic organism designed overwhelmingly for kissing <laughs> and it's just a ripped version of modok like he has just basically like a surfer bod and this giant head with like flowing fabio long blonde hair <laughs> it was just great if you get a chance look it up i mean it's hilarious I'll have to check it out that's that's fantastic yeah um, it was great but i've i mean i've wanted something like this for a while now where uh it i mean in these universes we're dealing with what are essentially gods and like the most all-powerful beings in the world and the universe and i've always just wanted to see them live out their day-to-day lives without like like right uh one of the things i always say uh, uses as examples like how does how does doc, how does steven strange like brush his teeth in the morning how's he get ready is he just like standing there in front of the mirror with all the stuff floating around him he just he doesn't even move his hands or like uh or like just what life is like around the avengers headquarters with vision just popping in and out of walls without exactly. any sort of without any sort of notice yep <laughs> steve yeah, that is great. steve he did it again he keeps doing this stop it but there was um so there i was talking to my buddy vin who uh who's really into marvel he's really into dc comics but likes marvel stuff as well uh but he um him and i have have a lot of the same types of uh we have a lot of the same movies in common that we like and we're both fans of uh christopher guest do you have you ever heard of yeah it sounds familiar okay can't place it if you're unaware of who Christopher Guest is, he was in this, the spinal tap. He was actually Nigel Tufnell, the whole, it goes to 11. Him. Yeah. 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 That was him. So he, he has this whole career based on making essentially what are mockumentaries and they're all improv. They're almost always improvised of like the most mundane, boring subjects you can think of. Uh-huh. Uh, best in show is one of the ones he's most known. Oh, for. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Him, show. That, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is about competitive, uh dog shows right and so we've always said like what if we got a christopher guest style avengers or justice league like oh this is that, that's almost what i want modok to turn out to be yeah <laughs> just like the, again these most supreme beings just living out the most mon- do, going out and doing the most mundane things in life <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing <laughs> excited for it we'll, we'll see yeah. where it goes we'll, we'll probably talk about it at some point yeah definitely um, <laughs> it, i'm it, really looking forward to it it'll be good to fill out the padding until uh until loki comes out yeah yeah definitely definitely will well until loki comes out we have the wonderful the falcon and the winter soldier that we do to talk about um so this week actually today you know we're recording this on a friday so you get our 
our fresh reactions after just having watched the episode a few hours ago. Mm -hmm. um, episode three launched today. Um, the title of the episode is Power Broker. So we get a little bit of insight into that character. As with the rest of the series, it was directed by Kari Skogland. Um, this one was actually written by Derek Kolstad, um, who I see he wrote here. I also did the John Wick trilogy and Nobody um, was the new Bob Odenkirk movie. That just is, is that out? Did that come it, out recently? It just came out like maybe a week or two ago. Okay. So basically, John Wick with Bob Odenkirk. <laughs> Essentially, um, I mean, I yeah. mean, all the reviews I've seen, that's exactly what they were going for. Mm -hmm. Which, and until I we started talking today, I hadn't realized that this was written by Derek Kolstad, and mm -hmm. it makes complete sense after watching the episode. It felt right. very much like John Wick. Well, as I, um, as we'll get into the the plot the plot synopsis and all that in a minute here. But as I was watching, I'm like, this is a lot more action heavy than the past two weeks have been. And then like, as soon as that came up, like, Oh, that, that, that makes a lot more sense now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can see why they tapped him to, to hit this episode. Um, but I mean, overall, like you said, it was a very action heavy episode. We got the reintroduction of Sharon into the series, Sharon Carter. Um, we got the, appearance and emergence of zemo um who we found out was actually a baron the entire time <laughs> so nice little retcon I, I was wondering if they were going to spend time or like dedicate time to like showing how he became a baron or if he became a baron after but they just acknowledge it as oh your family's yeah. rich i'm like okay i'm on i'm on board <laughs> that's but, fine um but anyways, even though yeah to, even though I'm not going to lie, I was a little upset that they, they still kept the Baron route. I kind I kind of wish they would have just kept them at the at the soldier level. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of a, it was definitely a retcon. I mean, yeah. I don't think that was their plan in Civil no. War. Otherwise, they would have, they would have shown that. Mm -hmm. um, but it gave us some, some neat scenes on that plane, which we'll, we'll get to mm -hmm. in a little bit. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, starting the episode, the, the breakout of Zemo, um, I... I get now a little bit why they went to Zemo. I, we had this mm -hmm. question at the end of the last episode, like why did they immediately say we need to get Zemo? We need to talk to Zemo. I, I get it. Cause it does seem like, you know, they're equating super soldiers coming back to Hydra being involved in some way. Right. And based on what they know, I can see how they would, you know, make that connection. Or they, um, be they believed at some point or some way that Hydra was involved. Yeah. I I also truly I I hate to say it, but I didn't really buy Bucky wanting to break Zemo out. I loved the sequence. I yeah. loved how Bucky delivered. Like hypothetically, you know, if I were to do this, <laughs> and then he would walk through the entire escape plan, and then Zemo just walked in. I loved that. I thought that scene was great. I I just don't understand Bucky breaking him out just based on Zemo, who was a master manipulator, manipulated Bucky into killing like tons of people. He just he just believed him by Zemo. All Zemo said was, "I have a lead," and Bucky right. believed. Like, him. Okay, I'll let you out. I'll get you out. Yeah, but it it just seemed like such a. I mean, you're right, as you said, Zemo was a master manipulator. So I feel like there should be a lot more thought into letting. I'm gonna just say it this way: there should be a lot more thought into letting your abuser out of prison. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It just seems forced. I, to yeah, me a to have bit. Bucky not even consult Sam about it, mm -hmm. just uh, I don't know. Well, I I I love the idea of Zemo in the series. I think they had, you know, using the blip in some way to say he escaped during all of this was probably 
unless we see it play out, you know, differently, it could justify itself because there's still three episodes to go. But I, I feel like they had ways to even break Zemo out off screen that would have made mm-hmm. more sense than this a little bit. Yeah, yeah, that would make sense. And I, I think, I think to the point that he didn't consult Sam with it. I think he knew Sam would say no to this entire idea. So that's why he just went ahead and did it. Very but, true. But still the fact that it's Bucky himself breaking him out is what's a little jarring to me. Yeah. Same here. Especially, I mean, we, we talked about this in week one about there being a callback to the, the, um, the code, you know, the mind control code. Yeah. And, <laughs> and that was that, the first thing Zemo said, right. <laughs> he was like, I just wanted to see if, um, you know, old words worked on a new man or something like along those lines but which mm-hmm. i thought was cool i we kind of figured he would do that and expect it to be the first thing to come out of his mouth but mm-hmm. um yeah i mean i i don't buy the team up with zemo i think they needed to put a little bit more into that because they became way too trusting of just going wherever <laughs> like the whole episode was him just going hey we need to go here hey we need to go here and sam's just like okay I was like, whoa, okay. Well, I don't know. At, at first, you can tell they're, they're still skeptical of him and what he's able to do. I mean, they were victims of of his scheme from Civil mm-hmm. War. So they, I mean, they, under, they understand that they might be being used at this point, but I think they're just in over their heads with what he's actually capable of. For all, yeah. for all, for all we know, he's pulling one over on them right now. Yeah, I just kind of want to see... I don't want to see him be able to pull one over on them because of this. Yeah. Because then they'll look like idiots. Like I, I want, I want it to be, you know, Zemo's about to enact their plan, but they have some sort of safeguard in place to keep themselves safe from him or they don't let him escape. I mean, I, I get why they need each other. And it was convenient that Zemo had like knew exactly where they needed to go to understand where the super soldier serum was. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I'm just hoping it justifies itself in the end. And if they don't, if it ends with them not getting duped by Zemo, I think it'll be better. Like, mm-hmm. I just want to know that they don't complete. I, I'm, you're right, because there is skepticism on their part. But I feel like he deserves way more than skepticism. <laughs> and like, <laughs> hey, we're not, you tell us where to go from your prison cell and we're going to go there, but we're not breaking you out or anything like that. Right. And that doesn't give us the like fun scenes and, you know, all the cool stuff that we got with Zemo in this episode. So, I mean, there is a trade off. Mm-hmm. but yeah i mean the prison break scene was really cool i like that mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like the some of the logistics i had problems with but you know yeah that, that's understandable and, and that's the i mean i'm not gonna lie i haven't seen the john wick movies believe it or not <laughs> i've seen the, i think just the first one i have all three of them sitting on my shelf right now and i i bought them all at discount on discounted like on major sales mm-hmm. so I've been meaning to watch them. I just haven't gotten around to them yet. And if I had to guess, I'm assuming plot convenience is a whole thing with uh, with those, given that they're very action-heavy and action-oriented. That's true. So, I, yeah. I mean, I'm willing to forgive the uh, I'm willing to forgive the plot convenience, but if it's at a character's expense, it's a little questionable to me. I'll I'll definitely forgive it if it's not like in episode five they're like oh no Zemo betrayed us you know <laughs> that would be I would be really let down by that because it's really obvious he's going to at some point because mm-hmm. he's way too in on their little adventure like mm-hmm. I, he has his reasons to do it too which he like you know he gets his own um, he kind of goes off script a little bit in this episode towards the end but right 
So after Bucky breaks Zemo out of prison in that great montage, uh, Zemo realizes that the place they need to go is Madripoor, which you have a little bit of background on from what I understand. Yeah, so Madripoor is heavily involved in different X-Men storylines. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if we you know, see Professor X Professor X and Magneto at some point in the series. I'm just kidding. Um, but they, <laughs> you know, it, it is, I wouldn't be surprised if this was something they added after the uh, Fox deal, mm-hmm. because I think that the rights to this probably would have been with Fox, the naming rights to Madripoor, because it's that tied to the X-Men. Oh, um, really? <clears throat> yeah. But one of the um, upcoming MCU properties where we could see Madripoor show up again is in Hawkeye. Um, because that series is going to be based on Matt Fraction's My Life is a Weapon run. Um, and there was a, a hotel in Madripoor that featured um, pretty prominently in, in some of the parts of that book. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see something along those lines. I can't really go into the details of it without being in the spoiler, Terry, because I think eventually we're going to probably do mm-hmm. some sort of book club for that series um, yeah. as we get closer to Hawkeye. But Yeah, we probably should. Mm-hmm. It's a good one. It's very, very good. So as they're in Madripoor, uh, you start to see like signs up on or signs in different places and everybody walking around. Uh, it's very, uh, it's a very rundown, obviously. Uh, it's a criminal underworld. It's criminal basically. underworld. Thank you. And thank you. Yeah. And Zima described it as a former pirate haven. Mm-hmm. What are the, uh, the, the cultures kind of stuck around, but the whole place has been developed a little bit. Yep. So um, that comes back up in a bit here, but. Uh, they end up going into, or they're they're playing different characters. Zemo's playing himself. Uh, Sam is playing this character of Conrad Mack, aka the Smiling Tiger. Yeah, so he actually is. Um, I don't want to say a supervillain in the comic books. I don't think he's really powered, but you know he's a a costumed villain that you know has obviously a smiling tiger looking persona or alternate ego (laughs) um i don't know much about him other than you know looking that up i I tend to when i'm watching these movies and these series is when i hear a name dropped i just immediately go to google and i search that name because so often it's just a random character from the comics and yeah the name um, drops are becoming almost fairly obvious at this point that it's yeah that if they just fully name drop somebody it's going to be some obscure character that you got to dig deep for yeah and especially when they give them you know their quote-unquote code name of the Mm -hmm. smiling tiger i'm like yeah there's definitely like a weird looking tiger villain in the comics or something and (laughs) sure enough yes there is and uh he is tied to to madripoor too oh okay so So that um, fits yeah i'm guessing that's why they they went with him so Mm -hmm. not a mutant though so oh that's fair and then (laughs) um Bucky is playing the Winter Soldier again. Yeah, that was hard to watch a little bit. <laughs> like Just it was a pretty bit. terrifying. <laughs> I mean, he he went all in in that bar fight scene and just wrecking people. Mm-hmm. I, I you have to imagine that the consequences of that are going to come out in guy, in I, some I, way, especially yeah. given I know I know he's off of his parole now essentially, but somebody had to have recorded that. I mean, you saw people holding yes. phones up. So yep. the U.S. is going to find out about this in one way or another. And they're probably going to believe that he tur- has turned again. Yeah. If I had to guess. And I wonder, now that I'm thinking about it, I wonder if part of that is part of Zemo's plan. 
maybe. It could be. It could no, be. Knowing if he if he knowingly brought the Winter Soldier out, even if it wasn't, even if it was in good faith, that the U.S. government will take Bucky back after seeing that. Yeah, I mean Zemo's whole thing is eliminating heroes and super soldiers and mm-hmm. the like. So I mean I think that probably is some sort of ulterior motive or some plan because mm-hmm. he i mean he's he plays the long game you saw in civil war that's his whole thing is that the he's end. very calculated <laughs> he is a calculated villain right like more so than any we've seen so i mean there's there's something that he's doing i don't know exactly what it is but yeah there there's no way that in this day and age no one saw bucky no one recorded it and that footage isn't going to be like all over the internet a week from that bar scene. <laughs> right. <clears throat> and that's going to implicate Sam, probably put them in direct conflict with uh, John Walker mm-hmm. and the government and give a little bit more of an uphill battle uh, for Sam to get the shield back, I think. Right. Or in their case, just take it back as we've seen in the trailers. So uh, Sam playing Conrad Matt decides to order the usual, oh, yeah. which... That was that was really hard to watch for me. That was disgusting. Or it was just a, <laughs> I don't know how his cover wasn't blown right there because you could tell that he hated he just, that. He just wanted to throw it up right there. Because I, I couldn't tell what the drink itself was, but it was snake eggs, but like with some some type of booze in it. Yeah. I it don't know. Looked awful. I I almost thought they were going to play it off as like a joke. Like the bartender knew that he wasn't Conrad Mack and just wanted to like screw with him mm-hmm. <laughs> or something like that. Um, but no, I guess that guy really thought Conrad it was him. really just likes that though. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I wonder if we're going to meet Conrad or if that's just a little Easter egg for, for comics folk. Probably, it, uh, it might just be an Easter egg at this point I think so too. Without going into complete detail, they go upstairs to meet with. Um, they go upstairs to meet mm-hmm. Selby, who's essentially the power broker's contact at this bar. Sam gets a phone call in the middle of it. It's his sister Sarah, who ends up calling him out as Sam on the phone call. Yeah, which which is kind of a you know it's a it's a cliche, but they kind of went the other way with it, where mm-hmm. you know if someone answers the phone while they're pretending to be somebody else, the other person on the line doesn't know mm-hmm. that they're trying to play it off. Usually in movies, I feel like it works, yeah, <laughs> and it's played off as like a comedy bit. But for Sam, no, it just didn't no. work, and they f- figured it out immediately. Yeah, not to mention it was like, not to mention the reveal wasn't until like the last second. It, like right. the whole conversation was able to play itself off somehow. I know. I was almost like, "Oh, come on!" <laughs> like, there's yeah. no way this right. conversation would work. Or I thought his sister was going to realize that he was like undercover somewhere by the way he was acting strange. Which uh, she did. She was like, "Are you high?" <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so the uh, so they end up killing Selby, and Zemo kills Selby. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're right. You're right. Sharon kills Selby. Mm-hmm. Who we yeah. got? Who we? Well, we find this out later, but we also got a quick glimpse of Sharon in the bar too. That was her uh, with, yeah. with putting the hood over her. I think so. Yeah, I, I, th- I, I didn't thought go back so. to watch it, but uh, you're right because as soon as as soon as both Sam and Bucky wind up at that bar, she puts her hood up and, and turns and walks away. I thought that was her. Yep. So I mean, she she knew what they were. She not saying knew what they were there for, but knew something was good wasn't going to come of this. I think she didn't. I I, I true. I mean, we talked about this last week, but I think Sharon's a power broker. And I think yeah. she knew that Sam and Bucky being in Madripoor meant trouble for her. Right. So I think she was genuinely like, I got to avoid them. But I also 
you know, they're my friends. I have to kind of look out for them. And she knew if they were looking, asking around for Selby that they were getting kind of a little too close to her and maybe had to take Selby out. I, mm-hmm. That's just my kind of, uh, my theory with it all. <laughs> it's, it's not unreasonable. I see. I'm going to, I want to disagree with you just for, uh, just so we have another point of view argument's sake for argument's sake. Uh, I don't think she's a power broker. Uh, I mean, yours made complete sense, but the more you explain it, but I'm going to, my prediction just for argument's sake is that she's not. Okay. So we'll see, we'll see who's right in the end here. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I kind of went back and forth as this episode went on. We'll get into kind of, some of that in a little bit when we get more scenes with Sharon, but mm-hmm. once they rush out after the uh, after Selby's been killed, a bounty immediately goes out to everybody on the island for for those three. Yep, which I thought was which was probably what my favorite part of the episode that just all of a sudden everybody's phone lights up that there's a thousand dollar bounty out on each of their heads for. It's yeah. like immediately they knew that Selby was assassinated. They blame it on these three. <laughs> and somebody know yep. it was probably actually no. Your theory is starting to make more sense now. It was probably uh, because the power broker has control over this island. She's the only one that would have known that Selby died right there. Other than oh, those that's three. true. I didn't think about that. That's true because she so, killed Selby. Yeah, so she could could have easily just sent it sent out that message as soon as as soon as Selby died. Yeah, but then why help them immediately after? I guess to take the tr- scent off of herself. That's what I was going to say. So she ends up taking them in and just explaining where she's been, essentially. And she's turned into a hard cynic of the U.S. at yes. this point. <laughs> yes. Doesn't believe in the whole heroes thing anymore, which is a far cry from where we left her off in Civil War. Yes, and which <laughs> like makes complete sense. I mean, yeah. it's been seven years for mm-hmm. Sharon and she's been just living in the criminal underworld and no one went back for her. No one went mm-hmm. to check on her. Like, I feel like, you know, Sam and Bucky found her pretty quickly. I almost feel like Steve probably could have, if he cared to look mm-hmm. in the five years that he was gone. Like, uh, I don't know. I mean, I did read, so I did read this on um, Reddit actually. And in Endgame, they actually show her on the disappeared screen. Okay. Um, this this implies to me she didn't actually get snapped by Thanos, but or blipped. But I think instead they couldn't find her. Presumed that she had blipped. Hmm. So maybe that's why no one came for her. But possible. Um, regardless, um, she still was stuck in the criminal <laughs> underworld. She said she can't go back to her family. And she hasn't seen her dad in seven years. She said, which is awful. Yeah. Which I yeah I can't really blame her. It was just a, a shock at first. Like I, this was the the woman who was possibly in love with Steve. Yeah, and uh, just completely turned on a dime. Not not turned on a dime, but like from the last time we saw her to now, it was it was a little mm-hmm. shocking. Yeah, um, it is because it's it's like you said, it's a shocking turn for that character. Mm-hmm. But it makes sense when you think about it, and you know it. it it's fun because I, I mean, honestly, when they announced she was going to be part of the series, I was like, cool, <laughs> you know? Okay. I mean, she, yeah. I, they never really knew what to do with her in the movies. It was always awkward. Like her plot mm-hmm. lines with Steve were always weird. I felt. And. Hey, I knew you know, your just, aunt. Yeah. Let's did, kiss. <laughs> yeah. It was, <laughs> now, it was always bizarre. 
yeah, it just felt wrong and weird. And for them to go in this direction and make her kind of like this cynic badass mm-hmm. is cool. I like it. I like it too. I'm I'm on board with it. And it, from the sound of it, like this is the direction that they want to take her in. Exactly. Yeah. If she makes it out of the series mean, or not, that that's a different question. But well, I mean, if you look at like what they're starting to build to, we've talked about in the past with Thunderbolts and having these like morally great characters in there. Mm-hmm. Like you could easily see her emerging as a member of that team or a leader of that team. That's um, yeah, that's with reasonable. And because I mean, she's you know she's been she's done things probably that aren't going to be very forgivable by the end of this series. So mm-hmm. turning her into a little bit more of an anti-hero is probably going to be the route. It, like you said, if she makes it out of the series, which, you know, if she does end up being the power broker, I think is probably not a great chance of her making out of this series. Mm-hmm. So we go for, she, she's holding a party. She's, a, she's an illegal arts, uh, sorry, not illegal, stolen art dealer at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she's holding a party for, a bunch of possible clients and comes across where this they comes across where the serum could be uh it's in a shipping container in the dots how i don't know how much more sketchy well, let's let's rewind to the party for a second we got a oh, quick sorry, scene yeah. of zemo dancing oh yeah i yeah which was hilarious it's amazing <laughs> and very awkward and it's like you can tell that man hasn't danced since a city was <laughs> dropped on his family <laughs> <laughs> just the idea of daniel Brule dancing alone is yeah. enough to make me laugh <laughs> yeah we did um we did move past uh, i think one of the plane scenes um oh yeah you're right we did so one of, a of yeah these. i want to i want to hit that one really quick because there were some good lines in there so we get um you know zemo's admission that he's a baron that he's rich it's mm-hmm. just like it, it reminded me of the uh the justice league line of like what's your superpower i'm rich i'm rich <laughs> so so yeah there's that um the lines on the plane when they're talking about marvin gay and and zemo's like it really details like the the true african-american experience or something like that <laughs> <laughs> and sam's like you're way out of line but he's right <laughs> pretty good <laughs> pretty good and um, I, I think we had talked about this or maybe I had, had read about it. I can't remember, but we drew like kind of a parallel between Steve's list of things to catch up on when he was unfrozen, when he came out of the ice and Bucky's list of like reparations to make from his past. Mm-hmm. And then we find out in this episode that it's actually the same exact notebook. Right. Which is really cool. I thought mm-hmm. that was neat. Cause I mean, that's something that people were thinking anyways. So that for them to, to actually confirm it's something that Steve had, I mean, probably passed down to Bucky mm-hmm. at some point is really cool. I listened to all of this. Now you listen to it too. Yeah. <laughs> this yeah. is everything I experienced. <laughs> yep. Not to mention the, uh, the trouble man soundtrack to call back to the winter soldier. Yeah. 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 Cause true. that, I mean, that was, I mean, Sam says it right there mm-hmm. is that was what I recommend. That was one of the first things I recommended to him when we first met. And also uh, Marvin Gaye's trouble man, off yep. the soundtrack is playing in the hospital room at the end of uh winter soldier as well oh, i didn't know that that's yeah. cool hmm. yeah trouble man was a uh was a 1972 black exploitation film hmm. so just throwing that out there neat uh, bucky's line he was like i like 40s music <laughs> <laughs> pretty good such an old um, man 
so anyways yeah we we get what, to the, the shipping what, container what would you what would you even call bucky he's not he's not like a baby boomer he's still part of the greatest generation but like <laughs> yeah i don't know <laughs> anyway um yeah Somewhere we did between like a millennial and a boomer i guess i i guess <laughs> He's trying to trying to get this hipster thing going at the same time as being a yeah. former assassin. <laughs> True. I like 40s music. It's the best. I, I like know. the 40s before they were cool. <laughs> so we go to the shipping. We go back to the shipping container, and uh, the team interrogates and the scientist, Doctor Nagel, was the one that developed this new super soldier serum. And it's it's heavily implied that the sample he took uh, for this new serum was from Isaiah Bradley, who was introduced last week. It's never expressly it's never expressed, but it's kind of implied by the way Sam looks once he yeah. says it was from a test subject who had trace samples of the serum in his DNA. Yep. Um, so I mean, it it shows that <laughs> I mean these experiments were still going on recently too like right before the right right yeah and i mean that even is confirmed further if you look at like dr nagel's um comic history because he he played this same role in the comics albeit with a more um active role in the experimentation on the subjects but he was you know one of the people in the comics that led the efforts to create the serum um and was involved in the the creation of Isaiah Bradley's Captain America. So, so yeah, I mean, he had a dark past manipulating um, the super soldier serum in the comics. And it seems like they carried that over to this show. Mm -hmm. What a creepy dude. He was, (laughs) he was very creepy and seemed just like the perfect combination of creepy and nerdy, I guess. (laughs) Pretty much what, what I kept thinking was uh, the, Getting very strong Jesse Eisenberg vibes from this guy. Yeah, I don't know who he is, but he's been uh, apparently he's done background work. I don't even know his name, but uh, he's done background work on other projects. But I I just kept thinking, Jesse Eisenberg would be plopped in right here. Yeah, he had he had those vibes, like kind of the the scattered like speak like speech patterns, or like Mm -hmm. really like high pitched and and kind of like all over the place he was he was very sketchy Mm -hmm. (laughs) this guy um (laughs) this freaking guy he he didn't last long (laughs) no no he didn't zemo just took him out as soon as the uh as soon as the the tanker got attacked yeah and um i mean sharon was was holding her own out front pretty well and she was just wrecking people that was a great fight scene Mm -hmm. i mean that has she been in a fight scene like that so far in the MCU? I don't think at the MCU all. hasn't seen a fight scene like that. Period. It yeah. was brutal. Yeah, it reminded me of like the fight scenes we would see in like Daredevil. You know, like visceral, like heavy action. Like you could feel every punch being thrown. And actual blood too. <clears throat> yeah, it was a very very good fight scene. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, Zemo takes out Doctor Nade when I have I have to assume that just outright kills him because that would that just stops the source of the serum at this point oh definitely if he was the only one that could create a successful one yeah and i think he kind of like sealed his own fate when he was bragging about how 
no other science. He said, I'm basically God. No other scientist mm-hmm. can do this. Like they, the whole project was on hold when I got blipped. Like then Zemo's like, okay, well, this is the only guy that can do it. And he was like, boom, just <laughs> <Right>. shot him. <laughs> Which is like, you know, that that is in line with Zemo's character. Very much. So he, he would not, he, you know, he's more of a manipulator. He doesn't usually resort directly to violence like that. But, you know, when is he going to have this type of chance again? He doesn't pass so, off opportunities. And, yeah, exactly. And he, he did not pass this one up for sure. So Zemo kills Nadal. Uh, the shipping container then just explodes from an RPG. And a combination of the, the chemicals inside heating up. Right. And, oh, that's like the second explosion. The first well, yeah. one was an RPG, and then everything caught on fire. And, and then exploded, and everybody right. just walks out unscathed. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. I thought was hilarious. Yeah, me too. It like clearly like exploded, like exploded, exploded. Not like, you know, a small <laughs> smoke bomb. Like it blew to pieces, and they just like walk out without even a scratch. <laughs> I, think, I think Bucky had some dust on him, and that was about it. Mm-hmm. So the uh, the shootout ensues, which again was one of the more visceral shootouts that this universe has seen. Yeah, and I, I believe Colstad's uh, writing just lends to that. That he, mm-hmm. he he finds, I mean, Scotland too in her direction, but Colstad um, finding ways to, in character, use action very well. Mm-hmm. For example, oh, yeah. for example, Bucky being able to take take guys down with one shot, with one shot mm-hmm. kills. Zemo being a little more tactical with the way he approached it, mm-hmm. appro- approaching them from behind, throwing bombs down at them, and then coming down on them. Which I don't know. I I didn't fully buy that, just in the sense that I never really have seen Zemo as the guy that takes action into his own hands unless he needs to. And the fact that it seemed like Sam, Sharon, and Bucky kind of had it handled to a point. Yeah, yeah. To me, I, I in character for Zemo, from what we know of him, I feel like he would have just like escaped at that moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you know, he killed the source of the super soldier serum. He has to kind of have confidence that Bucky and Sam and Sharon are now trying to take down these flag smashers and you know their avengers are probably going to be successful mm-hmm. so you know unless he has some ulterior motive to stay with them which you know let's be honest he that, that could does. very <laughs> that could very well be it yeah he thinking if if i leave they're just gonna come after me so mm-hmm. i think i'm better off just staying around yeah and i mean the moment of zemo jumping into the fight was cool putting his mask on that's mm-hmm. like the comic accurate mask that was cool the mm-hmm. ski mask looks awesome and he you know finds that car drives up and makes a little joke <laughs> i thought it was kind of i don't know uh, it's these these character choices with zemo specifically in this episode i get like turning him a little bit more comedic mm-hmm. like they they kind of just rolled him into the buddy cop <laughs> like group pretty much and i i i mean i'm i'm cool with it you know, with with like the other decisions I've been critical of in this episode, I'm only going to stay critical of them if they don't like kind of course correct throughout the season, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like I want Zemo to have an ulterior motive because I feel like that's more in character with him than him just like joining them for this buddy cop adventure, you know? Right. Like that, it seemed weird, a little weird to me because I feel like Zemo, like I said, would have just escaped at that moment. Mm-hmm. That's fair. 
so after the shipping containers, they drive off in Zima's brand new. I think it was. I think it was a Cadillac. I don't couldn't, know what it was. Couldn't, couldn't really tell. Yeah, um, and and on the plane ride or on Zemo's plane, um, Sam gets a call from Torres that, um, which we'll get into her in a, in a little bit here. That Carly was seeing this was trying to help this woman, and they get her name. So they try and go to this camp to see her in Latvia. In Latvia, mm-hmm. um, while there, Bucky notices these little, uh, like little be like beads almost or little yeah i don't know how else to describe them really i'm not sure what the purpose was if they were for bucky to see or yeah. if <laughs> but he knew what they, they had some yeah but he obviously knew what they were and who yeah, they were I, um mm-hmm. who they were from yeah i think it's implied though these just little vibranium either trackers or, or something um outside of this location where they were going mm-hmm. and bucky kind of follows the trail of them back and you see some symbols on them and i did not pick up that they were wakandan symbols until i no. saw the the dormilage yeah <laughs> so, oh okay this makes a lot more sense yeah. and and i and when when the initial plan came out re- for bucky to release zemo from prison my initial reaction was wakanda's gonna want something to do with this yeah and sam i think even said that too Mm-hmm. He said, I don't think uh, like your friends in Wakanda are going to be happy about this or something like right. that, um, which kind of set the stage for this scene. So it didn't come out of the blue, which was broken right. writing again. Yeah. <laughs> but I didn't pick up that that was going to be something that they would uh, address on the, in this episode, let alone yeah. this series. I just figured so somewhere really cool. I just figured somewhere down the line. And even if it's in another entry in the in the MCU, they would address it. Yeah. And this um, this door Milaje uh member is io so io um has actually appeared in captain america civil war avengers infinity war uh black panther and avengers endgame um as part of t'challa's um dormilaje guard so she actually one of her more well-known scenes is in civil war when um right after the the bombing uh that killed king t'chaka there's a scene where uh, Black Widow standing in front of T'Challa's car as T'Challa and Io walk towards her, and Io kind of threatens Black Widow and says, "Move or be moved." Mm-hmm. It's kind of a, a cool, a cool little, uh, cool little scene there. She was actually the first Dora Milaje member to appear on screen, which was interesting. Huh. Um, and um, from reading this, I, I don't remember the scene from Black Panther that established this specifically, but um, it says she is um, Okoye's right hand kind of second in command in the okay so interesting i mean i i kind of thought i didn't realize it was a character we had seen before um just because i i they haven't put a lot of focus on any of the other members aside from okoye Mm -hmm. at this point um which we should get in the wakanda series that's slated to come out eventually right but um one other thing about this this scene in latvia um and this is going to get into some conspiracy theory type fan theory territory but Zemo has a mention. Um, he talks about Sokovia and he says, I know what happened to Sokovia. The the neighboring countries, um, you know, took it over. It's almost like it didn't exist or anything. So I'm wondering if they're starting to set up the neighboring countries that took over the failed state of Sokovia as um, Latveria or Victor Von Doom's country. Ooh, that, that might be a legit 
prediction mm-hmm. for a Fantastic so, Four confirmed. <laughs> yeah, and they, uh, I, I've seen a lot of you know since the the Fox merger, a lot of people speculating that they're actually going to turn Sokovia into either just make Doom from Sokovia and make him the ruler of Sokovia, or do something like this and have Latveria take over Sokovia. So like I've seen that sense. theory around. And when when Zemo specifically mentioned that Sokovia was taken over by a neighboring country without naming the country, I kind of like my alarms went off in my head. Well, like what if did... Mephisto? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. I I don't remember hearing this line, but did did he say that multiple countries took it over or just one did? I think one. I think okay. a neighboring country. Okay. And I don't think we geographically have seen like Sokovia on a map, have we? And like what neighbors it? No, we haven't. Uh, I think it's like implied it's in like Central Europe or Eastern Central Europe. Yeah, it is for sure. But um, like they haven't. But I mean, if you're saying it's it's, I'm just kind of projecting here from some of my some of my high school history background. <laughs> um, I'm wondering if they end up making Latveria a um, kind of like the I'm going to say the Poland of the MCU's Europe where it's just been taken apart and pulled apart so many times mm-hmm. and put back together um, I wonder if they take a slightly different approach to where um, I almost said Slovakia wow Sokovia <laughs> <laughs> Sokovia uh, is kind of taken over by various different countries that a, almost a Victor Von Doom character would almost be like a um uh an a Bismarck type character where he tries to reunite the entire oh like, country he, like of he's Sokovia. part of like a, a an old ruling family or yeah or something like that who wants he to bring tries to re- bring Sokovia back mm-hmm. and ends up yeah. just creating lot variant in the in the process yeah that would be that would be so cool I mean that's one thing with you know not to go on a huge Fantastic Four tangent but like one thing we haven't seen with doom on screen yet is him actually being a ruler of a country. Cause I mean, within the, in the original fantastic four films in the early two thousands, uh, he was just another scientist kind mm-hmm. of, he was a hacker in the, the reboot in 2015. So it's like, what it was bad, <laughs> but I mean, what, what I would like to see is something exactly like that. Like him as the ruler of a country, Mm-hmm. You know, maybe throw in a little conflict with Wakanda in there, like a couple kings of nations, like rulers of nations going yeah. to war, and like that would be neat. I think there's a lot to that they could do with that, and I, I'm really hoping that's the seed they're starting to lay with Zemo. Mm-hmm. I'm not like you know totally bought into it, but that line to me felt like sort of a setup for something. I mean, I, I feel like they're not done with Sokovia just because of. You know, God, I feel like it's mentioned either either through like Sokovia Accords or something else. Like it's mm-hmm. mentioned so many different times and so many different properties that you almost get the sense that they're going to do something with it. Like they're not just right. going to leave it. So to hear kind of hints at that, I I got a little bit a little bit excited. My mind went to Latveria. So that's my kind of crazy Fantastic Four theory for the week. That's a great. I theory. hadn't seen that. I looked around like online today and I couldn't find a lot of people thinking that same thing so i i didn't really have anyone to speculate with so i was excited to get on that's really good talk about it (laughs) so that basically wraps up sam bucky and zemo for the week uh we get two other kind of subplots um i wouldn't really call carly's a subplot hers are more character development 
Mm-hmm. Um, so we find out that she's been helping a uh, a woman that her, her relationship to is is unclear at this point. Um, so um, we can tell that she cares a lot about this woman. It's implied it's either a, um, a mother or sister or or loved one. Um, but then we find out in another scene that she that she came into this role as the leader of the Flat Smashers, uh, not by accident, but like she came in wanting to help people. She wanted to be a teacher before the blip happened. And then when it happened, she wanted to take on a larger role, mm-hmm. essentially. Yeah, I think this scene was good at kind of humanizing Carly a bit. Mm-hmm. You know, they're starting to play up those aspects of her character um they go against it a little bit in her second scene but in this first one you know they really tug on the the sympathy aspect of it all right so i I don't know i wonder if we'll get more information on who this person is or we're just supposed to accept that it's you know someone she cares deeply about Mm -hmm. and uh pretty much lastly uh we get john lamar wait did we talk about carly's second scene Oh yeah, that that was the whole teacher thing I was mentioning. That oh, did you yeah. talk about where she went in and blew that building up? <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, that's what I, I totally did. forgot about. Yeah. That. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute, hold on. <laughs> I forgot they actually went through with the bombing on this one. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So <laughs> let's back up a little bit. Yeah, back up. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's back up. I'm, I'm gonna leave some of this in, so let's back up a little <laughs> okay. bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Again, we're <laughs> we're learning just, here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um. <laughs> so in that second scene, <laughs> please, please, you have a little bit more description than I do. So, I mean, there, there's that discussion with her um, talking about, you know, she wanted to be a teacher when she was younger and, and obviously because of the blip and everything that didn't work out. Um, but um, a, a quick comics reference in this scene. So the person she's talking to is named in the subtitles as uh, Lennox. And Lennox is actually the last name um, in the comics of a character that served with um, John Walker. Um, and he eventually went on to become kind of like the, the anti-hero or villain left winger. So he also had another someone else he served with that became right winger. Um, so, you know, for anyone that says that comics aren't political, you know, this is very surface level politics. <laughs> but you know, here, here it is laid out for you. Left winger and right winger. I saw a uh, as soon as, as soon as we finished up recording last week, I saw it. I, I'm going to quote criticism on IMDb, uh, and it, all it said was, "Show's been great up until they introduced politics." I'm just like, the, the, "You're missing that. You're missing the point of the show." Then, yeah. So that's just an interesting little little nod there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I doubt we see that actually play out here, just because of you know I. I that's introducing too much, I think. Yeah, and he he did have, um, you know, it's not. I don't think it's a coincidence. He does have connections to, you know, John Walker and the Flag Smashers as well. So, um, mm-hmm. I think it's a nice little little nod. Um, but yeah, in the next scene, we kind of see um, Carly and the Flag Smashers go into this um, global repatriation council. Um, headquarters sort of and they find all these supplies and all these things that they're withholding from people she said that they sat there for six months they sat on all these supplies and um, I don't think it clarified exactly what they had but 
yeah, she she basically they take all the supplies, tie the people up, and then they get in the car, get ready to leave, and she says, "You need to buckle up. You need to buckle up right now." She sounds kind of urgent, so Lennox buckles up, and then all of a sudden the building explodes, <laughs> and he is like, "There," he says, "There are people in there," and she she said, "This is the only language they speak." So, you know, she's committing to violence to you know basically get what she wants and get people to listen Um, he woke up and chose violence yeah yep exactly and it's kind of an interesting um interesting tie to like the themes of the show because if you remember Mm -hmm. in the the scene with zemo um in prison he was asked by bucky what he's reading and he said machiavelli Mm -hmm. you know machiavellianism is basically the 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 means justify the end right right so that's kind of you know carly's whole thing is kind of aligned with that too mm-hmm. and you know that uh, machiavellianism is kind of a theme for this whole episode really like between bucky yeah. breaking out well actually it's a huge theme now that i think about it because bucky breaking zemo out mm-hmm. kind of is like a thing they you know they he wanted to do because he thought it was right and he he saw the benefit of it we'll get into it but john walker kind of alludes to them going a little bit off rails to get the job done Mm -hmm. (laughs) in a way that people might not approve of um you know then carly obviously and and a little bit of uh sharon too if she ends up being the power broker right yeah like manipulation deceitfulness to achieve her own goals Mm -hmm. so i think there's a lot to a lot to be said there yeah i didn't really think of that until you just pointed that out that's that's very interesting yeah some deep some deep thought into the themes of this one i think all the characters kind of all act a little bit in their own own self-interest yeah and like a lot of them have that mindset in this episode of you know the means or the ends justifying the means Mm -hmm. so speaking of john walker we get two very brief scenes with him and lamar of them basically tracking down, trying to try, trying to catch some sort of clue as to what to do next. Mm-hmm. Uh, after last week's "Stay out of my way," he obviously doesn't have a way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean they they are at least like you know the flag smashers arrived at that hideout at night. They're gone by the day when John Walker gets there, so he like missed them by an entire day. Mm-hmm. And the guy. <laughs> at the hideout basically says you know he pretends like he can't speak english even though we we know from last week that he can mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's um, brutal too you know he brings yeah in this one like yeah in, in captain america role like steve never would have done something like that like basically Sorry, saying do you do know you who know, i am um, yeah yeah like shouting at him and the the guys just like you americans have become brutes yeah and i think what we're seeing is you know john walker starting to go off the rails you know it's just what we're seeing is like you know he took it as a good intention thing in his own mind sort of Mm -hmm. um but you know he is (laughs) he's just strikes you as someone who as soon as he has this type of power he's gonna abuse it Mm -hmm. and just screaming at that guy you know he got spit on which he deserved after that Mm -hmm. he got spit right in his face yeah he basically he seems like a bit of a whiner (laughs) A little bit. So, and they, and they tried to set him up last week to be this. Uh, he is a somewhat complex character when you think about it. But uh, it, to your point again of 
these characters all being Machiavellian in a way they to him trying to push as hard as possible on these people to get what he wants yep. uh, it just doesn't, it doesn't work for him though mm, no. in this case I think He's, just no one takes him seriously that too and I think that's what's going to lead to him probably snapping you know, taking the yeah taking the serum I think I think From, he put his hands on the super soldier serum yeah in one way or another because mm-hmm. I think by either either next week or the week after we're we're on track for a collision course between he he and Sam I think yeah that's what and it I think looks Sam's like. gonna I think Sam's gonna win and then I think John's gonna take the serum as a bit of a and become know. U.S. agent yeah he has somewhat of like an inferiority complex I think a little bit too just a little you can bit kind of tell just a little bit <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then their second scene they're trying to um they're basically trying to track down the same they they had caught up to the prison where sam and bucky and zemo were days before yeah <laughs> trying yeah. to track down. oh they basically saying oh sam and bucky were here oh okay great now where do we go <laughs> meanwhile sam and bucky already killed the guy who made the super soldier serum <laughs> <laughs> yeah and John just found the, the flag smashers like where they stayed three nights ago. <laughs> so he's, yeah, he's getting chumped. And I think that's going to lead, like I said, and like you know, we've talked about a lead to him snapping even more and more as he right. just gets more and more behind. It's almost like a race. Cause his, you know, he has a, you can tell his, at first I kind of questioned, you know, last week, whether his ego was truly big or if he was just a guy kind of stuck in the thing in the, in a bad position. But I, I think he has a big ego after this one. It just mm-hmm. seemed like his ego was insulted pretty in much every scene he had. One more thing on John Walker is I think it it's telling that he like, he has no lead. So now he's trying to track down Sam and Bucky because he knows that following them will lead them to where he needs what was to be. The, what was the quote that he had of, um, Oh, it was a great. Oh, there that 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 was it. When they were in Munich, it was a uh, bet on someone who's got a better hand. So yeah. he he knew that Sam and Bucky were on a better trail than than he was. Exactly. <laughs> so he's just gonna follow them around for a while. And he knew he knows that they're right that that he has to follow what the CIA is telling him, what the government's telling him. But the yep. two of them can just go rogue if they want. And he's going to try and go rogue. Him and Lamar are going to try and go rogue at this point. Yep. Who knows how well that's going to go? Which is interesting. I think that would be an interesting turn if he's if he kind of you know to get the job done dips away from government orders a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, and kind of in a more direct way actually teams up with Sam because that's kind of like the unexpected way at this point, right? Right. Like I kind of think you know the the obvious route is his ego keeps getting insulted. He fights Sam and loses, and he gets the serum or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, so it'd be cool to see them deviate from that a little bit and, you know, make them a little bit more of like an uneasy alliance like we right. saw last week. That would be kind of, it would be interesting. It complicates things for, for Sam a little bit if they're not outright enemies. Right. You know, it makes it harder to take that shield, I think, because if he's not in direct opposition of John, it's it's going to be more difficult to get the shield. Right. And more interesting. Yeah. So... That just about does it for this episode, then. There's really not much else to... So where would you, if you, right now, like mid-season rankings, if you had to rank these one, two, and three, how would you do it right now? I would go 
in terms of episodes, oh, that's tough because I know two, two, <laughs> they two do three, different things. They do yeah, completely two and, different two things. And it's like apples and oranges. Two was great for its uh, for its look into race, and this one was great for its action. So that's what's mm-hmm. uh, that's oh, that's really tough. I would have to go personally. One's at the bottom, I think, just off of what we've discovered so far. Uh, and I'd have to say maybe two then two at the top and three in the middle. I think I I I definitely have two at the top because I, I liked last week's episode, like the blend of action comedy the best. Mm-hmm. Um and like surprising story moments like Isaiah Bradley, that that type of thing. I probably put one ahead of this one just because I liked all the character moments in that. Mm-hmm. Um this one I liked all of the action. I felt like we didn't get a huge chance to let up from the action at all, which was intentional. I mean, you mm-hmm. have to have episodes like that. And I really, really enjoyed the action. I just think um, overall, there are some things in the plot that I question a little bit. And I want to see, you know, if there's actual payoff to that. Um, right. So, yeah, for now, I mean, I think my opinion could change as the season goes for this episode because it kind of, you know, it's action, but it also lays a lot of groundwork. And I want it to to pay off in the way that I I think it has potential to. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just wanted to pose that kind of interesting question as we hit the the midway yeah. point. Yeah, I mean it's it. it's it is crazy. The series is half over after having those nine episodes of Wandavision. <laughs> it's it. There's been a lot packed into these three episodes so far. Yeah. For sure, for sure. Would you like to tell our followers where they can find us on social media? Yeah, you can follow us at Inf Watchers Pod on Twitter. That's I-N-F-W-A-T-C-H-E-R-S pod. Um, and uh, if you have a question, you can send us an email at infinitywatcherspod at gmail.com. We also have a Facebook page now. Yes, we do. Just searching. Like to- just search infinity watchers and i wasn't sure what the, i didn't make it i wasn't sure what the name of it was I don't no, it's still infinity watchers <laughs> okay uh, yeah yeah we're we're constant professionals here at infinity watchers if you can't tell <laughs> yeah and if you get the chance to you know give us a rating and a review on apple podcasts we would greatly appreciate it get us to the top of that sweet sweet algorithm Please get us to the top. We're we're also right on Spotify, Amazon Pod, or is it Amazon Podcasts. Yeah, it's on. We're on Amazon. We're on Google Podcasts. Any of your any of your favorite podcasts. Pretty much anywhere you can find. It. If you're listening to us, give us a give us a subscribe and send us to a few of your friends too. Tell them that you're like social media. Get the word out there. Yeah, we will keep churning out the content. That we will. Well, it's been fun this week. Great discussion as always. Yeah. And we will see we will. all next week. Well, we won't see you, but you'll hear all of us next <laughs> week. We'll see you later, watchers.